It means seeing your flaws, seeing your accepting flaws, them, accepting and realizing, and realizing I, can I can do better. So these are just a few thoughts to think about on this podcast. So welcome to Winning with Trevor. I appreciate your ears, your minds, and the time that you spend contemplating how you can be successful. So why would I appreciate the time that you spend contemplating success? What would I have to gain from you, avid listener, contemplating your own success? Isn't that just a self-interested pursuit? Well, here's the thing. If we are all self-interested to the point of wanting to just do better and be a better person and not, you know, in this kind of dragon in his lair, grab the gold way, self-interested, but self-interested in the sense that we're taking the time now to be interested in the development of ourself. So why would I care about that? What do I have to gain? Well, how about saving the whole freaking world? Sounds huge, right? It's not. I mean, it is, but... The thing is, is it just takes everyone doing a little bit, doing our part, right? So that's part of why my intro thanks you for contemplating how you can be successful, because I really am thankful that anyone would listen to this podcast and decide to make that decision to say, hey, self, how's it going? Hope you're doing well. How can we up the ante? How can I improve? What little tweaks along the way can I make? And my game plan. What can I do in this season of self to improve and get to that next level? From point zero of not even realizing, A, that we need to do some work on ourselves, B, that it's even possible to change, to break this concrete mold that we get set in as we are, you know, going from childhood to adolescence to our early 20s and 30s and so on and so forth. That is a revelation in of itself. And I think having that revelation is a success. Realizing you are point zero, ground zero for the rest of your life, for changing yourself and then changing the world. So that's why I'm thankful. If you're listening and you've decided to change yourself for the better, I'm thankful. Thank you. Because you're going to help this entire world get better. If we all just did a little bit, did our part to be a better person, to treat other people with respect, and to make this world a better place by trying to do good things in this world. It's it's a beautiful thing, and I appreciate all those that are part of this process. And that would inevitably lead to our second maxim, first one being success, and that's happiness. Because I think truly when you can look back and you can say, hey, I didn't just waste this time you know, watching TV, playing video games, and getting drunk, I actually spent some of this time really contemplating, using my introspection and my ability to really honestly evaluate myself to say, hey, I'm going to do something. And it's amazing when you really look about your life and you say, you know, I don't have to be Mahatma Gandhi. I don't have to, you know, move a mountain. I can make small measurable changes in the lives of the people around me by how I choose to interact with those people and the feelings that my actions leave in other people and in their hearts. How am I affecting other people with what I do and say? That's powerful to spend some time contemplating that. There's this, um, there's this theory, and I'm not sure where it comes from. Maybe it's, uh, you know, some Hindu 
Eastern philosophy. I'm not quite sure, but the concept is is when we when we die, uh, allegedly in this philosophy, you review your entire life, but you relive it through the emotions you made other people feel. Whoa, that's that's a gut check. Kind of makes you rethink a few things, right? You know, makes you want to maybe treat other people a little better. I'd hope so. So the third maxim of this podcast is personal responsibility. Being able to own up and take responsibility for the person that we are creating with our daily actions. Every choice that we make creates part of who we become. Think about that. Every choice that we make creates part of who we become in the aftermath of that choice. So you got to take responsibility. Otherwise, you're kind of just saying to life, hey, life, uh, I don't really know. I'm like that John Travolta gif, just wandering around, tossing my hand up, not really knowing where to go. Fold me, shape me, mold me, make me whatever, and I'll blame you, and I won't do anything about it. And then you just find yourself questioning why things happen the way they do. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm deciding to be this way. I'm deciding to up my standards for the person I am and who I'm becoming in the aftermath of the decisions that I make. Well, now I'm choosing those decisions with the aftermath in mind, right? That's huge. So that's the third maxim, personal responsibility. And the last one, the fourth maxim is self-awareness. And it's something that we've had as a theme for these past uh, few podcasts, really, since we've started. And it's something that we're going to continue exploring until the demarcation point happens and then we move on to another maxim. But at this point, we're all about self-awareness because there's so many levels to that. It's incredible how much you can attribute to self-awareness or not having self-awareness. Now, there's a saying that goes, doing what's right isn't always popular and what's popular isn't always right. Now, let's go deep on that because it's super important to consider when we are creating ourselves, right, through taking responsibility, that third maxim for who we are. When we are making decisions, we have to really reflect on what's motivating us to make this decision. Are we making this decision for the sake of other people? Are we making this decision because we've done a gut check and it resonates with what our truest self thinks and believes and feels is the right thing to do. Now, we, of course, could go super deep also into, well, what is the right thing to do? And we could question the you know, state of willpower. Is there a free choice? We could talk to philosophers back in you know, the second century. I don't know. We could go all over the place. We're not going to do that. We're just going to keep it contemporary somewhat. And we're going to think about what does it mean to really do the right thing for what you know and feel is right inside? We all have friends. We all have different groups of people that we're part of. And we have different social crowds that we move inside of. And there's this Venn diagram of the people that we know and how they know each other. Some people know your friends that know their friends and some people don't. I mean, you know, we live in a very connected world, especially now because of social media. We're very connected 
it's interesting how that six degrees of separation works uh, because of social media. We're <laughs> six people away from the Dalai Lama at all times. So, but when we think about the social development of human beings as social animals and our ability to have self-awareness as being a participator, a co-creator of ourself, of this being that we identify as our own personality, and not just simply saying, ignoring the third maxim, saying, you know what, life, go ahead, shape me how you will. I'm just going to kowtow to what's the latest trend, and I'm not really going to go a little deeper than that. The problem with this is that you can coast for a while, and like I mentioned in the very first podcast ever released, when we go through that tumultuous period of our life where we're rebelling against everything and everyone because we finally realize, oh, I have a self that I'm responsible for creating, and I get to really decide what I feel is important. What are my values? And that's a beautiful clam opening up to the, or is it oyster? I think it's oyster with the pearl inside. (laughs) Got to not mix my metaphors here. The beautiful flower unfolding in spring of the self, of who we are, and that beautiful, curious discovery and then we, we mute that. Those brilliant, vibrant colors get muted by the daily routine and the feeling that we have to live up to the expectations of other people to maintain our social status. And the kind of compromises that we make as moral beings sometimes can be huge. It can be almost a Faustinian bargain when you think about it. Because there's a saying, I think it's from the Bible, where it's something on the lines of, you know, what good is it to gain the world if you lose your soul? And that's super important to think about it, because what, what makes you who you are, a lot of it has to do with what your sense of right and wrong is. It has to do with your sense of how you feel out other people, how you feel out a situation that you're involved in when you make a decision, and if you're making the right decision based on how you feel, not just this kind of, I don't know, cost-benefit analysis for social status or currency, but really, like, who are you becoming when you make this decision? What kind of person do you become when you relegate your decisions into this kind of hat with some folded-up pieces of paper and names written on it where you're picking it out and you're saying, ah, I'm going to go with this one right now. I'm going to toss the dice because... I'm kind of disconnected from that sense of what, what is really right inside of myself because I've got caught up with, you know, the, the social games people play. There's a, there's a book, I believe, um, from the 60s or 70s. It's a transactional analysis psychology book called The Games People Play. It's really good. And it, it breaks down how on different levels we're interacting with each other at all times, playing different games we don't realize we are, and if you go to a party, you can kind of break down the way people are interacting and the games they're playing, and no one realizes that they're playing these games to kind of stroke their ego or get some kind of satisfaction out of doing something that satisfies a child state or the ego. I'm not going to break down transactional analysis in this podcast because that'd be way too heavy, and I'm trying to keep it relatively conversational. But I guess I brought that up because... It's interesting how in different situations, the same person can reveal different attributes of themselves, and you kind of get a perspective 
on who someone is when you really get a chance to see if there's a consistency of what they do and where they do it. And if that changes with the environment or if there's this consistent, you know, feeling of I know what the right thing is to do and I'm going to listen to my conscience and do that. We all need to ask ourselves these questions as we go through life because it's about evaluating what's important to us. What, that's a level of self-awareness. When we're exploring the concept of self-awareness, we have to touch base with our, ourself and ask and say, is what I'm doing right now compromising a value that I hold dear to my heart? And am I doing this only because of the endorphins that I get when I get the result like the dopamine hits from Facebook likes on a post, but you're throwing someone under the bus at the same time, right? You know, what are you really doing? And it's interesting. So we're going to go back to the the quote that started this off, which is doing what's right isn't always popular, and what's popular isn't always right. There's this misnomer. There's this kind of circular logic, this false logic that if, there is somehow a consensus of belief about something that gives it more, you know, uh, credit, I guess, more, more verifiable, you know, authenticity of some sort, that if you asked five people and five people told you that, you know, there was no such thing as a civil war, it was a war of northern aggression, then you start to say, well, maybe I should rethink this. You know, I hope not. I hope you've read some history books and spent some time. (laughs) Maybe Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States of America. Uh, Some alternative uh, thoughts on that. Uh, Not alternative facts. Different. Much different. Uh, Noam Chomsky once said that the winners write the textbooks. So that's a little perspective on history. But the point being is that just because there is a consensus doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. When you, when you look at a lot of common, uh, I guess, held beliefs about life, lifestyle, politics, the way we should or shouldn't think about things, there's a lot of incorrect assertions that people have now taken as truth without a reasonable doubt, without a sense of double-checking your references, without a sense of questioning this belief. Remember when the Twin Towers were knocked down by the Mujahideen and... Afterwards, there was a lot of gas stations that were raised to the roof by angry, uh, supposedly patriotic Americans who were now committing massive acts of violence against brown-skinned shopkeep owners who were franchising, you know, Chevron or something like that. And, you know, the the irony, the sad irony, the tragic irony is that a lot of these these shopkeepers, they were just brown-skinned, but they they weren't even close to the ethnicity of the terrorists that crashed the planes into the Twin Towers. And it was just this kind of blind rage, but it felt right because we were subscribing to this indoctrination process where all these voices were saying at once, you know, we've been wounded, we've been hurt, it's the enemy, it's the foreigner. And because now, you know, basically, we're, our God is sexier than their God, we can have the moral high ground to just commit these acts of violence because everyone is doing it. Everyone is, is afraid, everyone's in this state of, of real, 
violent nationalism. And we're kind of seeing a resurgence of some of that feeling right now under the current presidency. Um, and because some of the same feelings are resurging again. So we're not going to get into that because that would be an entirely different podcast. And I'm not really trying to get political uh, or too religious on this. I'm simply discussing the tools that we have to build our, our self and our self-awareness in this focus of our series. So you lose that self-awareness. You lose that sense of self, that sense of independent criteria of judgment and being able to really discern what's right for you when you get caught up in the mob mentality. And just because a chorus of voices are saying something doesn't necessarily by default make that true. And it's scary when you get caught up in things like that because it causes a lot of hurt to a lot of different people and it doesn't help your own development of yourself into a self-aware person. It's kind of like when you get stuck in this groupthink, right? I mean, I love community. You know, let's just get that clear. I love working with people. People together can do amazing things. But it's also scary when that power is not used for good. I mean, think about, I don't know, let's, let's take a trip back to 1692. What happened in 1692? The Salem Witch Trials. And it was a series of hearings and persecutions against a lot of people, mainly women, who were accused of being witches. And it was this really insane part of our history. And what it comes down to is that same groupthink of people in this chorus of voices all saying one thing and other people who may be neutral, maybe they're not trying to take sides, getting caught up into it. And now they're part of the madness as well. And they're losing part of that crucial sense of doing the right thing. What's right? Well, that's muted, if not silenced completely, when you adopt a set of belief systems based on rumors or gossip of other people. And in this case, it proved to be fatal because it became one of the widest outbreaks of mass hysteria. And, you know, it, it all used this circular logic, this whole idea of they start with a conclusion first, and that's what they're trying to prove, but it's not an open-ended question. And so racism is the same way. It starts with this, you know, circular logic that is just bound to defeat any factual observation of what it really is about, which is basic humanity. You know, they would do these tests where they would tie rocks to to women and throw them, and this is not funny, but it's just so r ridiculous, so preposterous, the logic of this kind of circular thinking. They would tie rocks to these women that they were suspecting of being witches, heavy stones, and they would throw them in the lake and they'd say, you know, if she floats, she's a witch. Well, if she didn't float up, then she's not a witch, but she's also dead. That kind of sucks, hugely. Uh, but that's the kind of logic of this type of groupthink. And so it's that power of, of people and community used for something wrong. And it's scary when you're caught up in something like that. And it's just one of those points where that sense of self-awareness, and we have you know, miniature outbreaks of this kind of groupthink all the time, especially since the election in 2016, where people feel like you have to belong as part of this line of thought. 
And if you're not, you're letting them win. You know, it's just kind of either or, black or white, no gray area, you know, foregone conclusion, which just strips people of their humanity. And it's a terrible way to think because it's not really thinking and it's not really about self-awareness. When you have that self-awareness, you're able to step outside that group think, get off the train that's just already got a destination in mind of what the foregone conclusion is about someone or something or a nation or a race of people and being able to say, wait, say, wait, say, wait, let me listen to my heart. Let me do what's right for me and step out of this group think. You know, they, they didn't do that in the Salem witch trials. Instead, they, they burned these poor ladies to the stake. They set them on fire. But if you do some anthropological research, you do some history, um, and you look at the environment, it really wasn't all about superstition. There was very human motivations of greed and selfishness and insecurity that motivated these people to target other people and say bad things about them that weren't true at all. And it was motivated a lot by the insecurity of other men and some of them, their wives, women as well, that felt threatened. Now, why did they feel threatened by these particular women? Well, a lot of these women, I mean, given this is, you know, post-colonial era, it's rough and ready. There's not really, you know, the same kind of modern conference that we have today. People died off really easily to disease and things like that because there wasn't really hospitals like we have them today. And so what would happen is there'd be, you know, a woman and her husband would die working in the fields and then she would be left the property. And so now these women, they would remarry again and try to find a husband and live this, you know, colonial outpost kind of life. And then their second husband would die as well. And so they would, you know, by this just process, unintentionally accumulate a lot of property. And so now you have... And in a very, you know, genderphobic time when, you know, a strong independent woman is, is to be feared or to be, you know, scorned, they had these women that were acting as community leaders in some senses, you know, with church groups and things like that, and they had property, and this frightened a lot of people. So a lot of times, these other people that just thrived on this evil gossip would make up these stories because, A, they felt threatened and insecure by the women now having property, now having their own way of doing things. And they wanted to take that away because they weren't accustomed to that kind of societal role. And, it, you know, they felt threatened. So they, they burned these women to the stake. They made up stories about them. They threw them into the lake with rocks around them and expected them to, you know, somehow float up if they were a witch when obviously they weren't. And so, and so, so you know, the power of the people, I love people working together. But it's a double-edged blade. blade. And this group think, you got to be careful when you get stuck in that. Or you're in it and you don't realize how much of your own sense of what's right has been compromised. I love my friends. I have a lot of them. I have them in different states and countries. I have friends I've known since I was a kid. People I've gone to college with and high school with. And they form a very important network that is part of my my value in life of what I really value and treasure, and it's the friendships that I have with other people that 
have nurtured my development as a young man, and I've helped them along their way, and we've shared so many beautiful moments and memories together. But I don't have, I guess, uh, a set group of friends that all kind of believe one way or the other. I like to have a lot of different types of friends. Some friends of mine think much differently than I do, and we get into arguments about things. And, you know, one of my friends, Anthony, he once told me, uh, right when we first met at Spider House many years ago, that he likes to make friends with people that don't agree with him because it helps him think about things differently and grow as a person. And, you know, that's a, that's a really good point. And I've tried to implement some of that to mix and match the friends that I have to help stimulate my own growth as a person to get more than one perspective, not to have this you know, chorus of yes-men all echoing the same statement, but to be able to get outside of that and be able to really kind of walk around something and think about it in different ways and perspectives to find out, you know, what I feel is right and what the real story is. There's this episode one time uh, of Gomer Pyle, this kind of goofy soldier guy, and I forget the exact premise of it, and I'm not going to retell old sitcom episodes on here. Sorry to let you down. But uh, they wanted to get out of something. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but they kept saying to their sergeant, because they didn't want to do, I guess, maybe an exercise outside. I don't know what it was. They kept saying, hey, Sarge, you're looking kind of sick. And after the first guy, he was like, ah, no, I'm, I'm fine. Then, you know, because they all kind of planned this together. The second soldier walked into the, the front office with the sergeant and said, Hey, Sarge, you're looking a little green around the gills. And he's like, Ah, I'm, I'm feeling all right. But he sounded a little doubtful now. Then after the third soldier came in and said, Sarge, you look downright sick right now. You know, something to that effect. And he said, You know, I'm, I think I'm coming down with something. I'm not feeling too great. And he had self-convinced himself to be sick, even though he wasn't. And just in the same way, when we hear a chorus of voices, when we hear more than one person saying something, it's easy to let those voices get in the way of our own sense of self, our own self-awareness to, to go with our gut instinct, to use our intuition, to really go with more than just gossip and rumors and what people are saying because they have an ulterior motive, but to actually say, you know what, what have my interactions been? What what can I really say about this situation or person or event or race of people? What have my interactions been like? You know, don't let yourself be convinced by other people that something is true when it obviously isn't. It's scary because then you have to really question what else have you convinced yourself to believe that isn't actually true, that jeopardizes your journey as a person to be a good person and to continue making forward momentum and growth in this personal development journey that we're all on. I have this kind of barometer about people. And, you know, I've worked in a lot of different places. I've had a lot of different friends. I've gone to different colleges and universities, high schools, middle schools, elementary schools. I've gone to meetup groups. I've gone to a lot of different social events. I've traveled the states. I've gone to music festivals and other cities outside of Austin and other states. And I've, I've interacted with a large number of different people. And I've always had this kind of gut instinct about people. 
And when I meet someone and I feel them out, and when I feel someone out, I kind of instinctively and intuitively know if it's strange or danger or if they're a pretty chill and safe person to be around. And my instinct has never proven me wrong. You know, when I cultivated it and developed it and I was able to immediately tell when I was around someone, you know, regardless of what anyone else said, you know, there could be a thousand gossips or scrawls on the bathroom wall and it wouldn't matter to me. I wouldn't really pay attention to that if I felt instinctively and intuitively that this person is a good person and that they're here to do good things on this planet. You know, I have this sense about people and I've let it guide me pretty well and it's never failed me. And that's part of self-awareness. When you have the self-awareness to cultivate your sense of people, this is so much stronger than he said, she said, bullshit. Bullshit. Because people get caught up in that and then they compromise their own integrity as a person. And it's like, well, you know, you know, you know, you can do that. We're we're definitely, you know, free human beings with free will to make the choices and decisions that we make. But I think it really empowers everyone as our own, you know, person that we've been waiting for, the sense that we're capable of amazing change to make this world and for ourselves if we really tune into our intuition and our sense of what's right and we ignore the group think and we step outside of that and blink and ask ourselves, what do you feel is important? What do you feel is the right thing? A lot of times we have this mass apathy that goes on, especially after wars, after huge events that happen. People get in this sense where they're like, it doesn't matter. There's no point. Why try? And then if you, you know, say you're inclined to be introspective or think deeply about things, if you're not talking about pop culture, it's kind of taboo. And that's the group think, right? You got to find your tribe. You got to find your people, which isn't always necessarily going to be people that echo your own opinions or views. Sometimes people will disagree. Sometimes you will agree on a lot of things, but not other things. But there's that sense, that sense that you have about someone and if they're a good person or not, and you got to tune into that. Otherwise, just going with the crowd, like the lemmings that run off the cliff. There's not really much future in that kind of way of of going about things. You got to ask the hard questions. You got to make the decision to say, if I don't stand for something, I'll fall for anything. Well, that's uh, pretty much wrapping it up for this week on Winning with Trevor. We're going to have an upcoming uh, interview with one of my friends, Doc Deuce. He is my hands down most favorite hip hop artist in Austin, Texas. I may have him spit a few bars uh, if he's if he's up for it. I, this is not really a music podcast. It's mainly about self-help. But at the same time, uh, this guy is, is phenomenal. Uh, he's very inspiring. He's a very positive person. And every time I listen to his music, I'm simply amazed. So that's what you have to look forward to coming up um, probably sometime in the next two or three days. And then after that, we're going to look forward to an interview uh, with Duncan Cormie, who has been doing social work for more than 20 years in Austin, Texas. 
He's done a lot of really amazing work with homeless youth, and he has some fantastic perspectives and experiences to share on compassionately helping this world become a better place and how self-awareness ties into that. So you have those things to look forward to. Uh, Listen, I hope that no matter what you're doing and where you're at right now, you're staying safe, you're dry, you're doing what you got to do to get by, but you're also taking that extra step to look a little closer inside and say, am I doing things because I feel like it's the right thing to do? And having that gut check, because that's so important when you make those footsteps and you determine who you are in the aftermath of making those decisions and the ripple effect of each choice on other people and yourself and the future self that you're going to become. It's another form of self-interest in a very benevolent way because you're looking towards the future, doing this work now with me on this podcast, doing the self-help work. You're looking forward to another day when that future you is going to look back and say, wow, wow. past self, thank you so much. You've done this work. I live a better quality life now. And I'm a lot happier. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for your ears, your eyes, and everything you've done to create a moment of your life where you're listening to a podcast about self-help to help yourself become a better you. Please rate this podcast if you enjoyed it and rate it well. Please share this podcast as well with your friends if you enjoyed it and subscribe to it. You can always get the free ebook, Five Tools for Successful Relationships, by clicking on the website link. Also, uh, by clicking on the website link and getting the Five Tools for Successful Relationships ebook, you'll be put on my email newsletter, which happens every single Tuesday, and I send out positive thoughts and tips on how to live a better life. Well, I hope your life is going fantastic. Thanks so much for tuning in, and have a wonderful Tuesday. This wraps up another episode of Winning with Trevor, your no-bullshit guide guide to self-improvement. It means seeing your flaws, accepting them, and realizing I can do better. So these are just a few thoughts to think about on this podcast. Winning with Trevor, signing off. Appreciate your ears, your minds, and the time that you spend contemplating how you 